0: To be a Boy Scout—that's a confession. (laughs) I used to be a Boy Scout. I I was a Cub Scout, and then I graduated into Boy Scouts. And I can remember having the little suit, brown—that little brown suit that they gave you, uh, the shirt and the pants. And I remember the handkerchief and and the little deal that pulled it tight. What do you call those things? Anyway, and I remember earning the badges. And I remember the survival kit, and boy, did I think that Boy Scout knife was the cat's meow. I loved that Boy Scout knife because it had all kinds of things on it uh, for survival. You know, it had the corkscrew. I don't know what the corkscrew was for back then, but it had that, and it, it had all these all these different neat little parts to it. And I just I carried that Boy Scout knife with me everywhere I went. The survival kit, so it had the jackknife and it had a compass, it had medical supplies, fireproof matches. I remember that. And so the whole reason they gave you this survival kit was in lieu of the possibility of having to survive in tough, adversarial, dangerous conditions. And so today I'm going to begin a series on your spiritual survival kit or gear. Because, listen to this, what you need to spiritually and emotionally survive in a world of spiritual warfare and in a godless culture is so crucial for you to know. Because Christians are dropping like flies who are not doing the things that we're going to be covering in the next few weeks. Now, I want you to know that God doesn't just want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. Do you believe you can thrive and not just survive? But let's just try survival first, because a lot of people aren't even doing that. Let's try survival first, and I want to turn to 1 Kings 19, verses 4 through 7, and I want to read to you quickly one of my favorite, well, I don't know why it's my favorite, because it's kind of grim, but I think it's one of my favorite because it's it's truthful. I thank God that the Bible tells us the truth about the heroes in it and their down moments. How many of you have ever had a down moment since you were saved? Okay, I just wanted to know if I'm talking to real people today. So let's read. Now this is about Elijah, one of my favorite Old Testament characters. Look at what happens to him. Then he wound alone into the wilderness traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Everybody say, that's down. And he said what we have often said, or at least every once in a while we've said to the Lord. I've had enough, Lord. How many of you said that this week? Uh Uh-oh, I'm preaching to the right people. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But look what happened. As he was sleeping, an angel appeared, touched him, and told him, Get up and eat. I want you to say with me, God knows when I'm hurting. He said, Get up and eat. Now Elijah looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked, on hot stones, and a jar of water, the original Happy Meal. <laughs> Amen? So he ate and drank and lay down again. But look what happened. A second time, the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray you will bless it to our heart. Now, Lord, I know there's people in here that are struggling, that are hurting, that inside they feel like they're fainting, they're discouraged, they've had setbacks. Lord, there are people watching by streaming video that aren't here because they felt so down they couldn't bring themselves to come to church. I pray that, Lord, your word will do what it is sent forth to accomplish. I pray that your word will strengthen them. I pray that your word will move into our pain and touch us at the very point of our pain and raise us up today by the resurrection power that is inherent in Jesus Christ. Now, would you breathe a prayer and just say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive the word of God. Now, say with me, this is the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen. You're going to need this before you get home. Amen. Now, let me give you the context of this this story. It's one of my f- favorite stories in the Bible, uh, what led up to this low moment for Elijah. He had just experienced the greatest miracle and victory of his entire life. Let that sink in. He, w- he, had, he was fresh off of the greatest miracle and victory of his life. I've noticed. The devil attacks you with down moments at two particular times, right before a great miracle and right after a great miracle. In front of the entire nation of Israel, you remember the story, he had called fire down from heaven to consume the offering on the altar in a spiritual contest between the believers in Baal and the true God of the Bible. And I believe that kind of contest is happening in our day right now there is a contest between the true God of the Bible and the gods that this culture has embraced. And I'll tell you who's going to win. Amen? Elijah should have been floating on a cloud, but he wasn't. Upon hearing of wicked Jezebel's threat to take his life, she heard about how 450 of her prophets, the prophets of Baal, had been slain by Elijah. And she had said... I'm going to take your life by this time tomorrow. You can mark it down. And this great prophet who had just brought a nation to its knees experienced an inner collapse. An inward fainting spell. A soul collapse. His interior life gave in. He ran deep into the Judean wilderness. He sat under a broom tree And he literally prays for God to take his life. He won't commit suicide, but he asked God to do it for him. He asked God to take his life. Now that's low. He said, I've had enough. And I think we can all understand that statement. I've had enough. I've done all I can do. I'm weary of the battle. I'm weary of the struggle. I'm weary of the wickedness. I'm weary of, of swimming upstream every single day. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. It was the lowest of the low points for this great man. We never find him lower than this right here. And you know what, Elijah is like many people today, even many Christians today. You may look good on the outside. You know how to look good on the outside. But there is a great struggle within. The knees of your soul are knocking. Some of you. Many believers, let me tell you the truth, feel tired, beat up, hung up, stood up, washed up defeated, and even hopeless that things are ever going to change. I prayed, and it just seems like things are never going to change. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm hanging by a thread. Many people feel that way. Even those who are headed straight to heaven the day they die, they're in a struggle. Folks, that's because we've got to wake up and realize we are in an intense spiritual battle in this nation and in this world. Paul was not just whistling Dixie when he said, we battle not against flesh and blood. But we're in a great, intense wrestling match with spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities, and powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. And if you're a believer, you've got a target painted on your chest. And the devil is after you. Now, I'm not here to lift up the devil. Matter of fact, I'm here to preach down the devil and preach up Jesus. But let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the truth about the devil. He's a defeated foe, but you got to take him seriously. I take him seriously. I take him as seriously as I would take a rattlesnake coiled up in the middle of my living room. If there's a rattlesnake in your living room, you do not just watch TV while he sits there. (laughs) You're going to deal with the rattlesnake before you take another breath. We've got to realize that he's defeated, foe, but you've got to take him seriously. Now, this inward fainting experience... That Elijah had is not uncommon for God's saints. The Bible says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common, common, common to mankind. There's nothing you or I are experiencing that is not common to the person next to you. Common to many people in this room. Common to believers all around the world. We're all in a struggle, and there's nothing wrong with admitting it. In the Bible, we find Paul admitting it. He confesses to the church his own struggles. Listen to what he said. I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. Listen to his words now. We were crushed. We were overwhelmed. And we feared we would never live through it. That's a hard day at the office. The patriarch, ja- uh, patriarch Jacob was so overwhelmed with the difficulties of life that he cried out, everything has been against me. Do you ever feel that way? The book of Ruth records that Naomi, upon returning to her homeland, was so crushed by the events of her life, what had transpired in her life, that she said to those who greeted her as, hey, Naomi, she said, don't call me Naomi, which means sweetness, but call me Mara, which means bitter." She had had hard times in life. Folks, I'm going to tell you the truth. Life is often hard. Now, I don't think that's news to most of you, but life is often hard. And it's hard to be a Christian. Let's admit it. It's hard to be a Christian in this world. We're in a great spiritual battle with the forces of hell. The world out there doesn't receive our Lord. And because they don't receive him, they don't receive you and me. And if you stand up for him, they're going to stand up against you. It's hard to be a Christian. It's hard to crucify the flesh. It's hard to walk with Jesus. It's hard to always make him Lord. It's hard. It's a battle. And that's why we're talking about spiritual survival gear. That's why it's so important, folks, hear me, that we maintain our inner strength in God. I'm going to say that again, because we're in a battle like this, because a man like Elijah can faint so hard that he says, Lord, take my life, because Paul can say, we didn't even think we were going to survive alive what we went through. Because we're in such a battle, that's why it's so important that we maintain our inner strength in God, because you're only as strong as is your inner man. Now, we're really into working out in this culture, being muscular on the outside. But let me tell you, I've seen great big muscular people faint on the inside and be completely defeated by the devil. The most important place to be strong is not outside, but it's in. It's within. It's in your inner man. It says in Luke 140 and in Luke 280 that John the Baptist and Jesus Christ both grew strong. They grew up strong in spirit. We want to be mighty in spirit. Amen? We want to be mighty in our inner man. Now, the story of Elijah provides a great picture of where I want to go today. Let's look at what happens next. In the midst of his inner fainting spell, God sends an angel to him. And the angel wakes wakes him up, and the angel says one thing to him. He has only one word for this man. He says, get up and eat. Rise and eat. Rise and eat. It says in verse 6 that Elijah sat up. There's there's an angel standing there. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, this was not normal bread. This was not normal bread. There's there's a name brand bread you can still buy that I used to eat all the time as a kid called Wonder Bread. (laughs) Remember Wonder Bread by, by Mrs. Baird's? No doubt this angel brought Elijah the original wonder bread. Because watch this. We're told in the same chapter that Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights. Think about that. All the way to Mount Sinai on the strength of one wonder meal. This was not normal bread. He traveled. Catch this. This is power. This is like a hearing that Moses fasted as long as he did. What was it? 40 days, 80 days? He he didn't eat for the longest time when he was on Mount Sinai with God, receiving the commandments. This is the same thing. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights on the strength of one wonder meal, one meal, one wonder meal, one feeding on this bread. I want that to stick in your minds. Because our God gives supernatural bread. Our God gives supernatural food. Our God is the God of supernatural food. What God gives us is able to carry us further than we could ever go on our own. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Our God gives wonder bread. Our God gives supernatural food. You go further than you ever could. You reach heights. You could never have climbed on your own. You achieve things you could have never done. If left to yourself, because our God gives wonder bread. Notice with me how after eating the first time, Elijah went back to sleep and the angel woke him up again and said, listen, you need to eat again. I want you to eat the wonder bread and drink the wonder water. It had to be wonder water. It put Aquafina to shame. This was wonder bread and wonder water. After his second command to Elijah to eat, the angel says something that jumps out at me every single time, and I want it to work on you like it's worked on me. He said, arise and eat. Here's why. Because the journey is too great for you. The journey is too great for you. Elijah did not know what was in his future. He did not know what the things he was going to encounter from this point on. In his mind, he was done. But he wasn't done at all. Some of you think you're done. You're not done at all. He thought he was done. But the angel knew what he didn't know. He said, you need to eat because what you're about to face, the distance you're about to have to travel, the things you're about to have to achieve and do, you're going to need supernatural food. So it was imperative that he eat this supernatural food from heaven. Only that food, only that food would carry him across the finish line. Likewise, folks, in a world of warfare, trials, and tribulations, the journey ahead is too great for us. I I tweeted a while back and it got a lot of hits. I tweeted, if I had known, if I could have foreseen when I was 18 or 19 and just starting out in God, the trials that I'd be facing, the mountains I'd be climbing, the valleys I would be traversing, the, the many, many tests and trials of my faith, the the disappointments, the setbacks, the betrayals. If I could have seen everything that was in front of me, I would have turned around and headed for the hills. But God taught me early on to turn to the wonder bread. He taught me to feed on the word. I'm going to draw the parallel in just a moment. But he taught me that there is a strength that comes from God. There is a power that comes from God. And that power enables us to endure and persevere through everything the devil throws at us and people throw at us, flesh throws at us, and carries us over to the other side of every trial, carries us from faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. There is a strength that comes from God. And I learned how to feed on that wonder bread, and it carried me through. But right now, folks, listen. There's too many miles to go for all of us, too many mountains yet to climb, too many devils yet to slay without feeding daily on supernatural food. This story of Elijah is simply a type and a shadow, a picture, an illustration, a metaphor of what God has to say to us in the new covenant as far as staying strong in God. So I want to make this very practical and very simple for us today. And let me just begin by saying, as Elijah was given bread from heaven... Our bread from heaven is the word of God you hold in your hand. That is our bread from heaven. Amen. The word of if you've got your Bible, hold it up, hold it up, hold it way up and and wave it. Say, "This is my bread. This is my super." Th- say this with me. This is, my wonder bread. this is my wonder bread. Our bread from heaven is the word of God. The angel brought Elijah's supernatural bread that carried him miraculously for a long, long distance, and, and he fed on it. And the picture is, even Jesus himself said that we were to pray for daily bread. And he was laying down a principle there. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word, every word, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is telling us here that God's word is supernatural food. It is wonder bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he's also called the Word in John chapter 1. So Jesus is the Word, and the Word is our wonder bread. Amen. 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 The supernatural bread that Elijah was given there under that broom tree at the lowest point in his life is what picked him up, stood him on his feet, and supernaturally strengthened him. Catch this now, he was at the lowest moment in his, in his life. He didn't think he could never take another step, but he stood up under the strength of the Wonder Bread and, and ran and journeyed 40 days and 40 nights with nothing else to eat but that one meal. The supernatural bread that God gave stood him up and carried him. Do you need to be carried today? Are you under life's burdens today? Is is the workaday world wearing you down? The wickedness of our culture wearing you down? Do you feel stressed out? Are you tired? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Do you feel let down? So did Elijah. But he ate that bread and stood up a new man and traveled all that distance without any other meal. It was supernatural. He was carried by the supernatural power of God inherent in that bread. We often see in the Bible how God's saints compare the word of God to food. They compare it to food because it is food. Listen to David. How sweet is the taste? That's a food adjective. How sweet is the taste of your instructions? Sweeter even than honey. That's a food description. God's instructions are God's word. In another psalm, he says... Sweeter, Your word is sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. <laughs> wow. Do you ever feel like you were just eating God's word? I do. You eat it. Look at the food description. He's describing, or comparing it to food. And look what happened when he ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Your word was my joy. Your word brought joy to my heart. And your word brought delight to my heart. Your word had an effect on me. Your word had a power over me. Your word was wonder bread. Jesus told his disciples, I have food to eat that you don't know anything about. Speaking of spiritual food, our spiritual food is God's word. I feed on it every day. I got up this morning. Got straight into my daily devotional. Had nothing to do with this message. I went straight to my devotional because I need to be fed as a man before I can preach to you. And I feed my own soul first. I I feed on Wonder Bread every day of my life. And I can tell you before God, I feel better. I feel stronger. It's almost like that tennis shoe commercial, remember it? I can run faster and jump higher. I think it was Keds. Boy, I'm dating myself today. Boy Scouts, Keds. (laughs) Now, Jesus talked about daily bread, which also suggests, number two, that we need spiritual bread, listen to me, every day. Every day. Now, I know I'm a broken record with this, but I'm talking about spiritual survival gear. I'm talking about if you want to survive in this wilderness called our culture, if you want to survive in a day that is rapidly becoming just like Sodom and Gomorrah, remember what it says about Lot? Lot's righteous soul was vexed every day by the guilty or or by the... Filthy conversation and manner of life of the wicked. He was every day vexed by his godless culture. He was in a warfare. It vexed him every day. And are, aren't we there? Aren't we just about there? Our culture is gone the way of the enemy. Our culture is really pagan in so many ways. And so here we are. We're in a battle with the flesh. We're in a battle with the world. We're in a battle with the devil. We're, we're in a battle. And so we Christians can't survive on weekly bread or monthly bread or moldy bread, or stale bread, or grab-it-late-in-the-day-on-the-run bread. Amen? We need daily bread, fresh bread, straight out of heaven's oven for us that day. Daily bread. Give us this day. Can we say it together? Give us this day. Our daily bread. He wasn't just talking about physical bread. He was talking about spiritual bread as well. Now, God drew a picture of this for us in the Old Testament. Let me take you back. As the children of Israel journeyed through the wilderness, God tried for 40 years to teach them essentially one thing. Trust in his provision. That was the one thing he was trying to train them, teach them, bring them into. Trust me. I'm not going to let you die of thirst. I'm not going to let you die of hunger. Now, the reason it was so hard for him to do? Because they were used to trusting Pharaoh for their food. Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. And Egypt is a picture of the world. See, they, they had been trained in the world. They had been born and raised in Egypt. They had been there for 400 years. And while they were in Egypt, they learned to trust Pharaoh to provide for their essential needs. And the problem was, Pharaoh had them enslaved. They were trusting a slave master to take care of their needs. They were enslaved in Egypt, and they were trusting the provision of a slave driver, Pharaoh. And that's exactly the way it's described about you and me in the world. Before we were saved, we were enslaved in the world. We were enslaved to sin. We did the devil's bidding, and he was our master, and we depended on him and on the world to take care of us. But when we got saved, God said, all right, that's over with. I want you to learn now to trust me. I want you to learn to trust me. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. Listen to what God said he was trying to do with them in the wilderness. He was trying to retrain them. Your master is no longer Pharaoh and your world is no longer Egypt. The Bible says he fed you with manna. Moses talking to the people. He fed you with manna in the wilderness so that you would become humble. And so that your heart, trust, so that your trust in him, so that your trust in him would grow. Look, so that your trust in him, would grow. God was after one thing. He was just trying to teach them one lesson. You know, when they got thirsty, they whined and complained. We don't have any water. And God said, Moses, strike the rock. I'm going to provide for them. Then they said, we don't have anything to eat. And so God said, all right, I'm going to teach you how to trust me and my provision. And he taught them to rely on him for daily manna. Their daily manna, their daily food appeared supernaturally on the ground every morning. Notice this. You get up, you're in your tent, you turn to Martha, you say, Martha, time to gather the manna. Well, how do you know it's there? Because God promised it would be there. They couldn't go buy it. They didn't work for it. They were totally dependent on God to provide it. And so they would go out and they would gather the manna. They would gather it. They'd never seen it before the first time it was there. It was designed and made and created by God just for them. It was so unusual they looked at it and said, what is it? Can you imagine eating what is it? Some restaurants, I kind of say that. What is it? Have you ever gotten something served to you and you go, what is it? They lived on what is it for 40 years. They decided, well, we didn't know what it is, so we might as well just call it what is it? Because that's what manna means. What is it? Well, time to go to the get pick, gather the what is it? Have you gotten enough what is it? Boy, this what is it is good. They fried it. They baked it. They microwaved it. No, I'm... All they had was manna. And, and the reason all they had was manna is because God was teaching them, give us this day, our daily bread. And, and they were being weaned away from Pharaoh, weaned away from the world, and, and placed into the arms and, of God, trusting him. The Bible says, each morning, everyone gathered. Every day, they relied on God to provide the supernatural manna, and every day, they gathered it. Every day. Everybody say every day. Now, here's where we learn that to stay strong in our inner man, we should gather our own supernatural manna, the word of God, every day. Every day. Every day. You say, Jeff, I just don't get anything out of it. Somebody told me that lately. Stay with it. Keep reading it. I don't understand everything I'm reading. That's why I'm here. No, I'm just kidding. We, we teach the Bible here, but listen, in, in this day and age of social media and the, and the Internet, you can, you can look up any question you've got about a Bible verse and find an answer. So notice God trained them every day. It's every day. Every day they had to depend on God. Every day they gathered supernatural manna. So here's the lesson for us is we got to get it every day. And not only every day, but it says in the Bible they gathered it first thing in the morning. It says that they didn't gather it first thing. When the sun grew hot, it melted away. Now, I believe there's a principle here from God to us. I want you to remember what the Bible says. All these things happened to them to show us something. First Corinthians 10, 11. All these things happened to them to show us something. They were written to teach us. Teach us what? Well, we got to depend on God for the daily manna, both physical and spiritual, and we got to gather it first thing, and we got to gather it every day. That's what God led them to do, and it's written for our instruction. So it teaches us the advantage of getting with God before our day begins, because, folks, we're in enemy territory. On a daily basis, when you walk out that door in the morning and you go to your place of employment, You're going to fight devils. You're going to experience trials, frustrations, temptations, and difficulties. So your inner man needs to be fed and strong before you go out the door because you're only as strong as is your inner man. Andrew Murray wrote, He who does not in the morning first lay up the word in his heart, is not to be surprised if the world assumes the first and the chief place in his heart for he has neglected the only means of being ahead of the world. It's a great quote. We say the early bird catches the worm. How about the early bird catches the word? Now, let me just let me close with telling you why this is so important or just kind of crystallizing for you what's really going on in the spiritual world where we Christians are concerned. We're told in the book of Judges that in the days of Gideon, Israel was under attack by the Midianites and the Amalekites. And the way, listen to the way they attacked them. The way they attacked them was, quote, Judges 6-4, they camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza. Notice what they did. They attacked their source of food, so that they had nothing to harvest. Why did they do that? Because as a result of the food being attacked, Israel grew weak, and they were unable to stand against them, against the enemy. They attacked their ability to eat. And what I want you to realize today is the Midianites... And the Amalekites are pictures of how our own enemy attacks us. He goes after our source of food, our time with God, our all-important time of feeding on God's word. There are the, the Midianites of busyness. The Amalekites of distractions. Have you ever noticed when you decide to get with God, go in your room, shut the door, open the Bible and pray, the phone rings, something goes crazy, The pet starts barking. The neighbor rings the doorbell. All kinds of distractions happen because the devil is the master distractor. So we've got to get his number and realize, hey, I'm going in my prayer closet. So I turn off the iPhone. I turn off the iPad. I take the phone off the hook. I turn off the TV. I shut the door. I am dead to the world and alive to God and I'm going to touch God today. The enemy wants to sabotage our time with God so that we grow weak and vulnerable to his attack. So the first tool in your survival pack, your survival gear, is time in the word daily. So I want you to stand with me, and I want you to say this with me as we get ready to pray. Say with me, the word is my bread. bread. Feed on it daily. Gather it early. Those are non negotiables if you want to survive and, I believe, thrive. Amen? Amen. Can we just go to the Lord Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you that you're a good God, a faithful God, a God we can depend on. Thank you, Lord, for this incredible illustration you gave us in the Bible of the Israelites gathering the manna every day. They got a fresh, a fresh helping every day. They did it first every day. They were strengthened with the supernatural food. Now, Lord, help us as a church body to get into your word every day and to do what we have heard today, to do it, not just listen to it, but do it every day. Lord, we thank you that if we even do that, that is huge to our survival, our wholeness, and our victory. In the name of Jesus. And with your heads bowed a moment, there may be just one person here today who can say, you know, Jeff, I don't know that I know Jesus. Because listen, Jesus is your bread of life. He alone died for you and rose from the dead so that you could be saved. And you can't partake of the spiritual food until you've been born again. You've got to be born again. Spiritual food is for the born again. So I'm going to say a simple prayer, and, and there may be nobody, I don't know. But, it, but if you can say, you know, Jeff, I've got a question mark in my mind about whether or not I know Jesus. Then you need to settle it. And I'm going to give you the chance right now. I'm going to lead a prayer and just pray this with me. You can do it. Just We're going to look up to Jesus. Look to him right now by faith. He's given you the faith to be saved. And just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me and rose from the dead. For me, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I confess my sins to you. And Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. And that God raised you from the dead. Come into my heart today, Lord. I receive you as my savior in Jesus name amen now with heads bowed if you can say Jeff, I, I prayed that with you would you just slip your